Our scripture lesson is taken from two New Testament passages, first from Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 7, page 1299 in the Pew Bible, page 1299, Romans 7, verse 7, and reading through verse 25. Romans 7, verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, But I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that is evil present with me, the one who wills to do good, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then reading also from 1 John chapter 2, page 1,399, 1,399, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. 1 John 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Thus far the reading of God's word. May he add his blessing to it. In conjunction with it, I'd like to read from the Heidelberg Catechism on page 893 in the back of the Psalter Hymnal, Lord's Day 44. Page 893, Lord's Day 44, in the middle of the first column. 
what is God's will for you in the Tenth Commandment? That not even the slightest desire or thought, contrary to any one of God's commandments, should ever arise in our hearts. Rather, with all our hearts, we should always hate sin and delight in all righteousness. But can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? No, in this life even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. Nevertheless, with all seriousness of purpose, they do begin to live according to all, not only some, of God's commandments. Since no one in this life can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God want them preached so pointedly? First, so that all our life long we may know more and more come we may more and more come to know our sinful nature, and thus more eagerly seek the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. Second, so that we never stop striving and never stop praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit so that we may be renewed more and more after God's image, until after this life we reach our goal, perfection. Beloved of the Lord, we have been looking at the Ten Commandments for a number of weeks now, and come now to the last commandment. The last commandment, which deals with matters of the heart, which may surprise you because... As we dealt with various commandments, we also pointed out that they dealt with matters of the heart. For example, we, uh, when we looked at the sixth commandment that forbids murder, uh, we remembered the words of Jesus that if you are angry with your brother in your heart, then you have violated the sixth commandment. And when we looked at the seventh commandment, we again remembered those words from the Sermon on the Mount that if a person lusts in their heart they are guilty of breaking the seventh commandment. In fact, any of the commandments, if we desire anything that is contrary to any specific commandment, the, the desire to violate that, to, uh, the desire for that which is contrary to any commandment breaks that commandment. So why do we need another commandment now that focuses on desires and on coveting. Well, to understand that, we need to understand what coveting is. What does it mean to covet? Some people think it simply means to, uh, to want something. Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting something. Paul uh, talks here about coveting as evil desire, uh, wanting the wrong thing. But it's more than that. It's more than just wanting the wrong thing. It's, it's being filled with a, with a passion, a passionate desire for something, craving something, craving it so much that you spend all your time thinking about it and making plans about how to obtain it. It's not a, a fleeting thought, oh, it would be nice to have a new car, or oh, it would be nice if... Uh, there wasn't so much uh, crabgrass in the lawn, or, oh, it would be nice uh, if uh, the weather were a, a little more uh, pleasant, you know, a, a fleeting thought, a fleeting desire, no, but you want something. And you want something so bad that you don't care what it takes, who you hurt, or what laws you have to break in order to get it, you're determined to get it. For example, at the fall of Jericho, the uh, Israelites were under strict orders from God 
to take no plunder from the city of Jericho. But there was a man named Achan, and he saw a beautiful Babylonian garment, and he saw some silver and some gold. He knew, he knew that God had said, you may not have that. But he, he, he didn't care. He, he, he saw it, and his heart was filled with a desire for that, and he took it, and he, he hid it under his tent. He desired it. And the desire was so strong that he ignored the command of God and, and went out and took it. In Micah's day, uh, the prophet Micah, there were Jews who coveted their neighbor's fields. But they are condemned by the prophet not merely for coveting them, but for stealing them. Their covetous desire led to actual theft of stealing those fields from their neighbor. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 25, Moses warned the Israelites that they were not to covet the gold and silver of pagan idols of the land of Canaan, which meant uh, they were not permitted to appropriate that, that silver and gold for themselves, even if they planned to use it for some good purpose. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 7:25: The carved images of their gods... You shall burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, or take it for yourselves, lest you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Imagine these wooden images, and there's hammered gold or hammered silver over top of it, And they're commanded to take them and burn them and not take the gold and silver, not to try to reclaim that and and use it because it is so corrupt that if they take it, it will corrupt them. mustn't take uh, the valuable things from their idols. Even if you've uh, burned the idol and uh, melted down the gold and silver, you you can't take it. Uh, Consistory members, please take note of that. When uh, someone comes to you who has just won the Mega Million Lottery and says, uh, uh, I want to give a big gift to the church, uh, the idols of this world, uh, when taken up by the people of this God, will, will corrupt us as well. And we have to say, no, no, that, uh, that, is, that is an abomination to the Lord and, and, and we don't want it. We don't need it. God will provide for us through other means. In Exodus uh, 34, God promised the Israelites that if they remained faithful to them, no nation around them would covet their land. And that means that no nation would attack them to take away their land. Uh, coveting naturally leads to the action of appropriating that which you covet. And if you are faithful to God, which they weren't, of course, but if they had been faithful to God, then no, no one would have coveted their land. No army would have ever entered their land to, uh, to take it from them. Uh, anyone who uh, covets his neighbor's wife, his house, his employees, or his animals, uh, Uh, if he is coveting them, sets his desire on them in such a way as he is not able to keep his hands off of them. He formulates plans to obtain them, for he intends to to get them no matter what. Think of uh, King David and uh, Bathsheba. Uh, He saw her, he desired her, and 
He didn't care what the law of God said and uh, what it meant to uh, her husband Uriah, even if it meant uh, murdering him. Uh, He had to have his heart's desire. Coveting is, uh, uh, in in Deuteronomy 5, the uh, Ten Commandment is worded a little bit differently than it is worded in Exodus uh, Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, the word covet is uh, repeated twice. You shall not covet uh, your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's house and so forth. Uh, But in Deuteronomy, it's you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your uh, neighbor's wife. And the word desire there is a Hebrew word that means to to crave with intense desire. Uh, God is uh, uh, telling us there that coveting is this craving with intense desire. That's what John is talking about in 1 John chapter 2 when he says, do not, what? Do not love. Love the world. The things of the world. The things of the world that are perishing. uh, The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possession. These are not from the Father, uh, but they are from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. And whatever, whoever does the will of God is the one who abides forever. Uh, it's so easy to be filled with love. Love for things that are perishing. Desiring those things with the heart, with such a desire that you don't care what it takes. Uh, you're going to get it. You know, the world is, uh, uh, is something we have to live in. And uh, we, can't, uh, we can't survive with, without the world. But uh, the relationship between the world and your heart is something like the relationship between uh, water and a ship. Uh, a ship needs water to float. It needs water to get where it has to go. But if the water gets into the ship, then the ship is doomed and it sinks, it flounders and perishes. And so it is with the world. If the world gets into your heart, the love of the world gets into your heart, then you make shipwreck of your faith. Coveting is idolatry, as the New Testament teaches in the book of Colossians uh, chapter 3. It's having something more important than God, a force that drives you constantly to serve self or fame or fortune or pleasure, whatever it is. You can know if you are coveting, if you're always thinking about how to get what you want and you don't care what it takes to get there and to get that which you want, no matter who you might have to step on or abuse or ignore, uh, ignoring your family, uh, ignoring your uh, uh, obligations to your, your wife or children or whatever. If you have no time to read the Bible, if you have no time to pray because you're so consumed with desires to get what you want, then indeed you may have fallen prey to covetous desire. It often uh, subtly disguises itself as frugality and stewardship or as a, a good work ethic, but uh, it is indeed idolatry that leads to eternal death. This command has uh, uh, indeed drives a stake into our hearts and uh, it has three great uses for us. It, uh, it exposes the heart, uh, it humbles the heart, and it uh, instructs the heart. Uh, coveting indeed is 
a matter of the heart, craving that which is contrary to the commandments. It has its root in, in ingratitude to God, not being content with, with his will for your life, not being content with his providential provision for your life. It corrupts your relationship with him and, and with others. It's called idolatry because the object of desire is more important than God and more important than God's will. It causes envy and, and jealousy and uh, all kinds of uh, law-breaking. Uh, it's the, the root of, of all sin. In James chapter 2, it says, uh, desire is conceived and uh, gives birth to sin. The command shows that, that we should be content with what God has revealed and we should be content with what God has done and content with what God has given us. That doesn't mean you can't work hard and try to improve your situation, but why are you doing it? Are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it to honor God and to, to enrich the lives of those around you? If in the pursuit of your work you find that you are hurting those around you and ignoring them and stepping on them and using them and not fulfilling your family obligations and your religious duty, then indeed you have gone too far and show that you're not content with what God has given you. Uh, to, uh, to keep this commandment, uh, to keep from coveting, we need to, to love what God loves and, and hate what God hates. We need to uh, declare good what God declares to be good and to declare evil what God declares evil and to be willing to receive even painful things from God knowing that he works all things together for our good. When we uh, examine our hearts in the light of this commandment we see that we have often fallen short of the mark and as Paul says uh, the commandment came and I died. I realized that so much of my life is desiring things that, that God doesn't desire and, and uh, considering good things that God doesn't consider good. Uh, so much of our desires are selfish and self-centered and only for our own pleasure or our own gain uh, or pride of place and pride of possession and uh, seeking to uh, exalt ourselves rather than humbly serve God by serving those around us. This commandment exposes just how evil our heart is. And when it does so, it, it humbles our hearts. Uh, we, we learn the truth of the Bible uh, when it says, for example, in James uh, 3, chapter 2, we all stumble in many ways. Or Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, uh, there's not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Or Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say I have kept my heart pure and I am clean and without sin. Or 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The commandment led Paul to see that he was a sinner. It humbled him, and uh, it showed him the, the need for truth in their inner parts. Uh, and uh, David also, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, was deeply humbled when he saw his sin. And so we need to ask, has this commandment humbled you? How do you view yourself? Do you view yourself as uh, having arrived on a spiritual plane above uh, many unbelievers in the world and even a lot better than most Christians too? Do you uh, consider yourself to be a, a really good person, worthy of the respect of others? 
or you see yourself as God sees you, as one who has uh, fallen into sin again and again, desiring that which is contrary uh, to his will. Uh, Yes, there is a beginning of real righteousness in our lives, but only a small beginning. It includes real obedience by the power of God's Spirit living in us, and enough righteousness to encourage us to continue to strive to do more. But when all is said and done, we see that we have striven very little, accomplished very little, and must uh, continue to uh, humble ourselves before God, seeking His grace and Holy Spirit. Yes, this, this exposes the heart, it, it humbles the heart, but it also uh, instructs the heart. It instructs the heart about our need for forgiveness. It instructs our heart about our need for perfect righteousness. We need forgiveness and we need a perfect record. The Bible shows that our love for God is only as strong as our conviction of sin. And apart from the law, we flatter ourselves with too high an opinion of ourselves. But when the law Uh, uh, exposes our heart and humbles our heart, then we see that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, that we are worthy of punishment, and that we cannot bear that punishment and pay for our sins ourselves. We need a substitute who pays it for us, so it points us to Christ, and then it fills us with a desire to to, uh, serve Him in gratitude. The law should drive you to Christ daily with repentance, seeking forgiveness and drive you to God daily in prayer, asking for the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit. Being sorry and asking forgiveness does not make you stop sinning. Uh, The pointed demands of the law must drive you to pray for strength, uh, without which there is no progress. Any Christian who tries to live the Christian life on his own won't. And... uh, The law helps you to see that. It motivates you to never stop striving for the goal of Christ-like perfection. The law gives the true picture of Christ uh, to us. He's the one who has kept this commandment. He's the one who said, not my will, but your will be done. And he did his Father's will, not his own will, even though it cost him dearly. And so we too must learn to put sin to death and uh, to uh, put on the new man, to put on Jesus Christ and to strive to be like him. You know, the law is like a surgeon's knife. Uh, The law brings pain, but the law also brings healing. And when it uh, does its work, uh, we cry out, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And also cry, thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. The law shows us our sin and our need for Christ. And the law points us to Christ as the only one who can fulfill our need. For he indeed fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this commandment that shows us what evil desire is all about. That that passion, that love of the things of the world that are perishing, that uh, craving for uh, things that are contrary to your will, a craving that drives us to uh, not care what uh, you think and not care what uh, others think, uh, but to uh, strive uh, for what we want above all else. Show us, O Father, that such indeed is idolatry, 
and that uh, it is uh, worthy of death. And uh, help us, O Father, then to uh, humble ourselves before you, confess our sin, and find in Christ the only one who indeed can save us from covetous desire and make us right in your sight. In his name we pray. Amen.